Hey, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. It's Dr. Tamara Beckford with Your Curing Docs. That's right, where we're helping our busy professional women put their health and wellness first for at least two hours a month. Our wonderful podcast, our Docs Who Cares podcast. That's where we are right now with our wonderful doc, the MedMal Coach. You'll understand why we have her on. But as with anything, right? These wonderful docs didn't stop by here. They drop their gems, wisdom, and the best part is that they let you know how you can find them if you'd like to be a patient or a client of theirs. Today, we are stepping in to an avenue, an area where all of us physicians, like, get so verklempt. Does anyone remember Saturday Night Live? Like, I'm so verklempt. That's what happens when we think about this. So I'm going to bring this wonderful, wonderful doc in, in our Your Caring Docs fashion, right? So this wonderful doc, she's a graduate of the University of Toledo. She did her training in OBGYN at West Virginia University. Right? She is the founder and CEO of the Med Mal Coach, where she helps physicians thrive through adverse outcomes or medical malpractice lawsuit. She's also an expert in litigation stress. So you understand why I am so happy to welcome the wonderful Med Mal Coach, Dr. Laura Fortner. <laughs> Yay, Dr. Fortner, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Oh, yes, absolutely. I cannot wait until you pour into our audience because I know a lot of us understand the stress that will come with what happens if you are sued. But before we get deep into that, I want to bring it back to Dr. Laura when she decided, you know what, I want to go into medicine. So tell me, what made you decide to become a doctor? You know, I, I love to care for people. I think even when I was little, um, I had my heart set on um, being in the medical profession for whatever reason. I just was really drawn and gravitated towards that. And um, and so it was like a natural thing for me. I, I It's really hard to explain. It's just something that I really enjoyed. I love pouring into people and especially women and women's health. So that's um, why I ended up as an OBGYN. Oh, wonderful. So when did you decide like, okay, OBGYN is probably what I'm going to do because you're in med school, you know how it is. You're rotating here, rotating there, getting a little bit of exposure here and there. But one day you're like, you know what, this is it. So what made that happen? Yeah, it was surgery. Um, oh. I love surgery. It's one of the things that um, I gravitated towards. Um, it's a love of mine. I love to work with my hands. Mm-hmm. And um, and what I loved about OBGYN, it was kind of the best of both worlds. You had yes. clinic, you had surgery, you had lots of action going on. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted that. I craved that. And, um, and I knew someday that you know, I, I, I really loved the nature of um, helping women in whatever capacity that was. And so that's kind of why I picked OBGYN. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we're here and we're like, okay, I love, you know, helping people. All right, I'm going to go to med school. There goes my 20s. Yeah, 20s. There you go. I'm dedicating my 20s to learning so that I can help. Right. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is great. Surgery is so exciting, you know, 
on, oh, we have a baby coming. You're scheduled on the 29th. But guess what? On the 27th, the baby's like, no, I'm not waiting until the 29th. I want to be out right now. <laughs> and that's OBGYN, you know, very high paced. You do the surgical and then you do the care for the women before and even after. So mm -hmm. we're loving all of this. And then years go on and then you decide, you know, you wanted to do the med mal coach. So what brought you to that space? Was it something yeah. personal? So just tell us. Yeah, it was deeply personal to me. Actually, mm -hmm. I'd been in practice, um, gosh, now over 21 years. And mm -hmm. about eight, eight to nine years ago, mm -hmm. I was hit with a medical malpractice lawsuit. And at the time, I was very green, meaning that like, I didn't know anything. It was a world, the legal system was a world that had you know, we have no idea about as physicians mm -hmm. and um, we get caught up in something like this and we don't know how to handle it. Um, mm -hmm. We're not prepared. We're no. really not. And we don't have resources at all. When this happens to us, we have a lawyer, we have our insurance company, maybe our employer if we're employed, but mm -hmm. it, there's really no resources in terms of how to get through something. And what you know, we're, we're trained, as you know, we're trained mm -hmm. in being these beings that even if we're not fine, we're fine. Oh, we you have to be fine. fine right? Everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's one of those things where we just have this mentality, oh, we can just get back up and just keep going. And mm -hmm. the unfortunate thing about getting slapped with a medical malpractice lawsuit as a physician is it's very deep and personal to physicians um, because of the fact that we mix up who we are with what we do. Yes. And the other professions that get sued, like insurance and accounting and lawyers, they all get sued too. But mm -hmm. they don't take it the same way we do because that's business for them, mm. not business for us mm -hmm. because of who we are and, and how, you know, the people that go into medicine, we've sacrificed our entire lives to do something for others. Mm -hmm. And it's really a deep personal injury that, that happens. And Absolutely. yeah, so yeah. that kind of happened yeah, so it happened to me, and it's still ongoing. So I can't talk about the details of the case, Absolutely, but yeah. it's um, what what I can talk about is the emotional toll that it takes on physicians and how they can mm -hmm. be helped by that. And it took me seven to eight years to find mm -hmm. find something to help me become peaceful again about no matter what happens with this. And I think that's where most of us struggle. And um, so this is a deep deep personal thing to me. And honestly, on my journey to healing mm -hmm. tomorrow, Dr. Beckford, this is why on the journey to healing, I found how to be at peace with whatever happens. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to share it. Absolutely. You know what, what I think is so important for um, those who are listening, those who are even watching eight to nine years and it's still going on. So it's kind of like a repetitive trauma. It is. There, to the emotional, the psyche, you know, like it's just like constant. And one of the alarming statistics about this is that 99% of us physicians, as you're stated, 99% of us we'll probably get hit with a lawsuit before we're 65 years of age. When you really think about that, that's almost every single doctor. That emotional trauma that hits every single doctor, 
by the time we get to 65, you know, we did, most of us did our trainings in the twenties. Yeah. And what happens is we come out of training thinking we're infallible, right? We're not going to get sued. We know what we're no. doing. We're good communicators. We're good docs. And we all honestly, for the right reason. Yes. And, and good docs get sued. And that's this. And what is happening in our culture of medicine is it's so taboo to talk about. So you're mm-hmm. walking around the hallways and you might have been sued and you don't want to say anything to your colleagues or anybody else because you were told, first of all, not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, you don't want to be shunned or you have Well, they're walking around having the same emotions, going through the same things as you are. And I am here. I want to create a culture of it's not taboo to talk about because it is fact. I mean, Mm -hmm. and and really the stats are 99 percent of us in higher specialties will be sued. Seventy five percent in very low specialties will be sued. High alarming numbers. Yes. 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 And we need to educate every single physician, especially those residents that are coming up through, like mm-hmm. this will happen to you and what you can do about it and be prepared for it. And instead of being blindsided, because that's what's happening right now in our world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, when we really think about and I was and I saw like what you wrote about this. Right. And the emotions um, that are affiliated with being sued they're almost the same emotions that are affiliated with grief. Mm-hmm, for the, sure. You know, you, the fear, the yeah. anger, mm-hmm. you know, the resentment, and then eventually the acceptance. And it's just like, that's so powerful. It you know, is. it's very powerful. It is just my very much like the grief stages. The problem with what which you pointed out is these cases, the average case is 4.7 years. Some go longer, some go shorter, but most of the time they go for years and years and years. And that the triggers and the, the, you know, every time it comes up is an emotional trauma. And Mm -hmm. so it's so hard to have acceptance until total Mm -hmm. closure of the case. And it's so long before total closure. It's not like, you know, where death is sort of happens. And then that stage can go much quicker for people than mm-hmm. for something like this. And mm-hmm. I think that the biggest problem that we get caught up in as physicians is the anger part of it, because yeah. we've given, I mean, think about it. I mean, we have missed first steps of our babies. We have mm-hmm. missed all of those field trips and sporting events and family events because for others, for mm-hmm. training and helping other people. And this happens. It's just really just it's gut um, punch. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a gut punch. That's how exactly it feels. A gut punch, and then it brings about the feeling of well, what was the point of all of this, right? Because it's one incident out of thousands of people who you've helped. But um, your yeah. mind goes back to that one incident, and it's. It's as if it erases the thousands of people you've helped, who've told you like how great you are. Mm-hmm. That is the brain at its finest, right? Oh, it, isn't it? It wants to get, it thinks it's keeping us safe. And so it, it wants to avoid danger. And so it goes back to this entity of what mm-hmm. happened. And, um, and you, you know, being equipped with the tools on how to, you know, control the thoughts, really mm-hmm. understand brain science can, can, really help you. And this is what I teach um, mm-hmm. along with learning how to be self-compassionate um, and the tools for all of those things is really what I teach. I mean, I had a client that said to me one time that, you know, she, she was going to leave medicine because she was, um, 
she was in a lower specialty and she went into a lower specialty not to get sued. And then mm. she got sued. And, um, and, and so it's that battle in our minds that we argue with reality. And that's mm -hmm. what goes on with the process of this case is you constantly argue with reality. And you also, you know, ruminate on the details of the case, ruminate even, and, and, you know, the stats are mm -hmm. that most of the time there's no medical negligence. Most of the time, physicians have, have done the standard of care. There was no medical negligence involved, mm -hmm. but it still puts doubt in our minds. Like, because mm -hmm. we're real people, right? I mean, somebody's suing us for something and we're thinking, well, did something happen? And most of the time, no, that's not the case. That's the stats. But mm. these cases go on and... You know, and and what I found out, because I've been through the whole gamut, I've been through dismissal of the case to it mm -hmm. coming back. So getting served twice mm -hmm. in the same case to trial to a kind of like ripping that Band-Aid off again. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's it's, you know, the trauma. It's it's it is emotional trauma. I mean, I had a uh, the sheriff come to my door a few days after Christmas with my kids in tow and deliver me. Serve me the papers the second time. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, this deep trauma, because that's just essentially what it is. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, mm -hmm. we can't really paint a, a beautiful picture over emotionally what you feel when something like this happens to you. You know, so through this deep trauma, like, how long did it take for you to get to the point to say, you know what, I am at peace with whatever it is. And then you said, I'm going to help others. Yeah. So, at peace. so it took me a really long time. Um, actually, uh, probably seven years in, I really started searching for mm. something to help with what's called litigation stress. Litigation yeah. stress is the emotional reaction that you get with a mal medical malpractice lawsuit. It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it can turn into, so litigation stress can have sort of grades and it can turn mm. into something called medical malpractice stress syndrome, which is in our DSM. Wow. which is a depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation. And so there's a continuum between litigation stress to medical malpractice syndrome. And, and if you are most physicians, 95% of us will suffer from litigation stress when we get hit with a medical malpractice lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And so um, when that, when that happened to me, I mean, it had been ongoing. I never took over to medical malpractice syndrome, but it, it was so taxing on me that I finally thought I have to find treatment or help. And so I did everything. I went to a psychologist. I had EMDR. I, um, and then I found um, coaching and I found the coaching world. I got certified just for myself healing. I wasn't planning on doing a business like this at all. Mm -hmm. And when I learned the tools of brain science and how to really learn how to be at peace in the now, mm. no matter what happens, it transformed me. How much of a weight just lifted? Oh, I can't even tell you. It was an enormous amount of weight. And, you know, and I want to help deliver that to other people. And so this is, you know, a passion of mine. I feel like um, we need this. It's a hole mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. medicine. Absolutely. That there's no resources when something like this happens. Your loyal say, don't talk about it. Your institutional say the same thing. And what they should say is, you need to go get support. 
Mm -hmm. um, because you will go through an emotional reaction that you won't know how to handle. And that's Mm -hmm. the truth. Absolutely. You know, this is definitely something that it takes its toll so much on experienced um, doctors. You know, you've been doing this for a while. I cannot imagine the toll on the resident who's training Mm -hmm. just stepped in, you know, because uh, residents get sued too. For those who are watching, who might not even know this, like, yeah, residents are getting sued also. So it's really great that, and as you've mentioned, you know, we do not have any resources really available to us as doctors for this aspect of our lives, which like we said, the statistics have shown that more than three quarters of us will experience it. Mm -hmm. Three quarters if you're in a low risk specialty, almost everybody if you are in a high risk specialty. So this is something that really the medical field should really look into because instead of putting a cloak over it and telling you no talking, that's just how it is. And then having the person have to deal with it internally. And there's a lot of shame associated mm. with it. When you mentioned those two doctors that are walking through the hallway, one might be going through it, the other is going through it, but neither is saying anything mm. other than the fact that they're told not to. But the other half of it is that they don't want to be looked upon as less than, right? Yeah. Well, you're not a great doctor. You've been sued. How great can you be if someone sued you? Yeah, that's actually that's exactly the thought process because we we come out of residency thinking we're good docs, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, if we get a medical malpractice lawsuit, we think, oh, we must now not be a very good doctor, right? We're mm-hmm. bad doctors, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's the story that we're telling ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's because of I believe a couple things that the tabooism of talking about it, that shame, that, mm-hmm. that the underlying tone of, of this, that it shouldn't be happening to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, and the second is the culture of perfectionism in, yes. our, in our worlds because we have the motto, do no harm. And mm-hmm. the thing is, at the end of the day, we could deliver amazing standard of care, which most of us do in these cases, mm-hmm. but a lot of times the outcome is out of our control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's that that wrestling that we end up doing on an individual basis about our case. Like, could we have done more? What could we have done? And we we ruminate on those things. And, mm. and the thing is, again, the stats show. And and uh, there was an interesting study even, um, and I believe it's out of Harvard, where they talked about how the more the if you had the physicians with more medical knowledge were sued more often than those who did not have that mm-hmm. you know, as good of a medical knowledge. And, you know, I'm sure that there's biases and things in that, but that's what the stats are showing. And so I just, you know, we want to make it mean something that it really is not. Right. Um, and so getting help with learning how to have a different perspective on it. And actually even me just going out there and starting to talk about it, talking about mm-hmm. it sued and normalizing the conversation mm-hmm. is helpful for these docs getting sued right now, because, you know, I don't know anybody else that's doing it right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm stepping out of something that is not the norm. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I believe we need change in this arena and we Absolutely. need change not only in helping physicians get through it, because as I don't know if you know this, but, um, there's, um, a lot of research about, 
um, how coaching has worked for people. Cleveland Clinic just put out a great study on how they saved $133 million in 2020 of turnover because oh they started coaching their physicians. Mm -hmm. And um, and that not only we can change the face of medicine through doing this, but we could do it with MedMal. Mm -hmm. And we can really then come together, I believe, and change the face of medical malpractice in general and the reform of it because there needs to be reform. The legal part, legal system mm -hmm. is messed up. I mean, I just, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. It's right. not based on science. It's usually not based on um, standard of care. It, it is, it, it, there's a lot of things that we could improve upon in the legal system mm -hmm. to help both sides. I just think right, it, right now it is, um, it needs, there needs to be reform. And that's right. what I want. I, I want that for us as physicians. So with you stepping out, starting and being the med mal coach, it's not just helping those who are going through it from the standpoint of um, I'm a physician, I've been um, sued or am being sued, but also recognizing that institutions and those who are in the training process needs to normalize this with the residents. You're not going in with your eyes wide shut, um, you know, and also that the legal system overall can understand how that we can better improve upon the system. So it's really a couple tiered steps with just starting out with this aspect, which you're doing, which is coaching. So it really is just a step towards a broader aspect mm -hmm. in helping overall from the justice and legal side mm -hmm. and also the medical side and the training yeah. side of things. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, most of my clients that come to me want to quit medicine. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what happens. Well, that's the first thing that goes through on mine, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a bad person. I'm horrible. I'm not good at what I do. What is the point of me doing this? This is probably going to happen to me again. Why should I put myself through this stress? I should just quit. Yes, it's exactly the thought process. And, you know, and I get it. I've been there. I've, I've totally been there. But I will tell you, I'm on the other side of it. And I have joy in medicine now. I go and deliver those babies. I'm a 24-hour hospitalist. And I just have that love back. Mm -hmm. And I know that they can achieve that too. Um, and like I said, the institutions and hospitals, if they could recognize this, the employer recognize this as an issue and we mm -hmm. need to institute a program. We need to maybe have, I mean, I'm happy to come speak on it or, you know, um, educate, um, mm -hmm. and empower these institutions and employers to really help the physicians out. So their turnover rate isn't so bad Absolutely. and they're able to capture, you know, um, and keep these people and, and keep the physicians in the field. Because I think right now, especially in times like these, mm -hmm. there are droves of physicians leaving medicine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So this is a great way that you're helping others really on a, a grand scale. You're starting small, but there's like a huge impact that's out there underneath all of this. Mm -hmm. How with doing all this, do you find time to take care of yourself and what are you doing for self-care? Yeah. Um, I love that question because I, I, 
I do a couple things. One is I, I get regular massages. That's like one of the things that I absolutely hey, you're love. You're a surgeon. It's tense in the OR. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that is one of my favorite things to do. And mm -hmm. I, um, I like, I travel. I love to travel and I make sure that I have um, some time away every quarter or so, so that I'm not so you know, have all these things on my head and not taking good mm -hmm. care of myself and reading, of course, is something really good. But one of the things and one of the tips that I like, if you are somebody who maybe a physician listening to this right now, and maybe you had an adverse outcome, or you haven't been served yet, but you're worried about it, or you have been served yet. One of the things that I do all the time to myself is I learned how to be self-compassionate to myself. This is something um, Kristen Neff has written a ton of stuff on self-compassion. And, and I believe that phys all physicians need to go through this. But I talk to myself, like I, I always ask myself, what would a friend say right now? Like if I'm going mm -hmm. through, like if you get served and you know, your office staff just saw the sheriff come and serve you papers or you're at your home and you're getting served, or if you're just in the middle of craziness at your office and you can't see straight because there's all these things going on, what I tend to do is stop everything and I say, what would a friend, what would I say to a friend right now that's going through the same thing? What would I tell her or him? And I say that to myself. Wow. And it really helps. Because the, the answer that you give a friend is totally different than the answer you give yourself, right? The no, answer true. that you give your friend is way more compassionate than the thoughts that you serve your own self, I should say. Yeah, so true. Because you'll beat yourself up. Absolutely. You'll start saying, going down the negative thought train. And mm -hmm. this is something that I teach and, and how to become aware of that and really separating out the facts and the story of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But um, but it is, it is something that I have been doing and it works so well just to stop and think, well, okay, if a friend, if this was happening to a friend right now, what would I say? Mm -hmm. Say it to yourself and be compassionate. And, it's and okay. be consistent with it. Yeah. Be consistent. It's don't, don't just say it once in a while. Really make it a, a habit. And then you'll find yourself going down the negative thought train and then you stop like why am I thinking like this you cut it and then you get back to the positive yeah. or to reality because that's a made up some parts of the negative train you make it up right totally <laughs> we catastrophize it absolutely point. absolutely <laughs> wonderful yeah. wonderful all righty so now we're on to our fun question of the day so if you weren't a doctor what would you be Oh my gosh. Uh, you, yeah. uh, well, I'll tell you when I was little, besides uh -huh. always wanting to help people, I wanted to be a country singer. Now, Ooh, you would never. Nashville, here we come. <laughs> yeah, you would not want me to sing. <laughs> I'm not a good singer. I, so, I think you're my first country singer. <laughs> I have a DJ. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll have DJ Silver Fox. Hello, 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 my DJ. <laughs> Fox. Um, we'll DJ our Dr. Laura on our Nashville country. <laughs> wonderful. I think it's, I can see it now. <laughs> this is wonderful. Well, this is great, great, great talking with you, Dr. Laura. So those who are listening, I'm pretty sure there's some institutions, residency programs, 
you know, and other mm -hmm. physicians who are thinking, you know what, this is wonderful. And I should probably get her into our programs, talking about this to our residents, making them, you know, normalizing what's going on, or also people who might be going through this, some of our physician mm -hmm. colleagues, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me at the menmouthcoach.com. You can also mm -hmm. find me on, um, you can always message me on Facebook if you'd like, or LinkedIn. I have a, a great resource on LinkedIn. You can always message me too at the, mm -hmm. it'd be Dr. Laura Fortner, the Men Mouth Coach. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, go to my website because here's the thing and physicians mm -hmm. listen up, even in, in even hospitals, institutions, I have the common myths about medical malpractice and you need mm -hmm. this. You need it. Even if you haven't been sued yet, um, this is something that you want. It will help prepare you. Mm -hmm. And this also helps those that are going through it currently. And mm -hmm. so, um, go to my med, go to the and, um, get the most common medical malpractice myths, um, mm -hmm. so that you can, you know, start your journey at feeling peace right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Right now, right now, cut the negative talk, um, get rid of the litigation stress before it becomes the syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Medical malpractice syndrome. Because we're losing so many of our lovely, lovely doctors. We've lost even a couple of days ago, I think within this week. This is um, broadcasting on a Thursday. And I think it was on a Monday of this week that we lost another physician to suicide. And we don't know what's going on in their lives, but we definitely know that medical malpractice syndrome can lead to suicidal thoughts. So this is something that we really are deeply passionate about in really helping the stress that's affiliated with doctors who have had um, negative outcomes in their patients or if they're under the stress or being served. You know, that's what Coach Laura is here to help you. So thank you so much for stopping by and, you know, pouring into our audience and those who are watching. Um, do you have any parting words for us, Dr. Laura? No, I just really want to emphasize how important this is. You brought this up with the suicide and there is one physician a day or more committing suicide. And I think, you know, underneath all of this, this is a really life-saving topic. And I know that it's one of the biggest con contributors to physicians and, and why they're considering something like that. So it is so important. And it's important for you, the new resident who's maybe not been sued and thinks that you're going to be good, like, you know, um, get the information. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Be prepared. Mm -hmm. Be prepared mentally for the job. It's a physically and emotionally taxing job, but we went in there to help. And, um, you know, within this period of time, there are a lot of physicians who are leaving medicine, but there's still a lot of us who are here who want to continue help. And we need to be mentally and emotionally at peace in order to give our best. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you all who are watching. Thank you all who are listening. You've been listening to our Docs Who Care podcast with our wonderful doc, the Mel Mad Coach, Dr. Laura. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank you.